Hey, everybody, we're back for another commission podcast. This is yet another to the victor goes the spoils because uh, Dr. Nick won our second fantasy football league here at uh, Bald Move. Uh, Dr. Nick, a.k.a. Nicholas uh, Ra- Ra- Ragovis, he has selected for his commission The Lives of Others, a 2006 German film directed by Florian Henkel von Dahmerschmark. <laughs> that can't be right, but let's go with it. Uh, hey, I'm, I, I am the resident German American, so I'm quite certain of my pronunciation there. Uh, Nick, Nick says I went to Berlin a few years ago and took a tour of the East Berlin prison where some of this movie was shot. The, uh, Hohenschanhausen, uh, on a tour led by a former prisoner. The prison and Stasi, the East German secret police buildings are the center of a residential area, which was populated mostly by Stasi employees. It was a political prison. Most of the prisoners didn't even know where they uh, they were in Berlin. Uh, no one ever escaped that prison, providing often fake information and often fake evidence. Selling out relatives and friends uh, was one of the only ways out. And the Stasi would show you evidence against you, often from your own. You can imagine what a corrupting influence this was on the well-being of a populace. It made me appreciate the movie more for expressing that sort of malaise. This film is sad, but somewhat hopeful look at how authoritarian, totalitarian, bureaucratic states grind down its citizens, especially the citizens it uses as its tools. Um, this is a pretty good film, I thought, Jim. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in 2006 it won the uh, foreign language film Oscar. So Yeah, might have even, I'd have to look up 2006 Oscars, might have been even kind of damning it with faint praise because it's just a really really good film yeah. uh and it does just such a great job of looking at like what a police state does and kind of i i, I kind of with on dr nick's side it's also kind of hopeful because it just feels mm-hmm. like none of these things are designed to last for very long that the internal contradictions between you know the what you're having to do to keep the citizenry safe to the citizens and the amount of like hypocrisy that you kind of have to overlook and it seems like it it eventually like your most loyal populace are the ones that ends up questioning it the most or at least that's just the thesis of the film do you agree jim or what, how, what's your take on it yeah i mean i thought it was a very helpful film um you you look at where this this main uh, I, I don't know anybody's names in this film, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to call them like the writer and the eavesdropper and mm-hmm. uh, the actress. Uh, the eavesdropper, look at where he starts and look where he comes to by the end. And I think, you know, this is all sort of a microcosm type of story about a larger thing, which is, you know, this single person here has to take a stand and has to kind of buck the system in mm-hmm. order to save these this this writer but uh, when you look at it from a larger view it's also something that has to be done on a bigger scale like by everyone in order for this society to survive yeah it's not like neo becoming the one and flying out of the phone booth at the first matrix right like this has to happen hundreds and thousands of times and every single time it happens in isolation it's ruthlessly punished yeah um like this guy the 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 i mean i don't, I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't seen it um but but this let's see if i can talk in this vague there are very <laughs> smart heroic characters uh that do everything they can to not be caught and largely succeed 
but their lives still are kind of are, are ruined or mm-hmm. would be like most people's definition of ruined um, for, for taking action against the state. And their only satisfaction is knowing perhaps years later that they did the right thing um, mm-hmm. and that history will remember that they, they were on the right side. And, uh, you know, it's, it's every it's like uh, I, I re- remember thinking about that when we were watching Narcos that it's a truly heroic act to stand up to one of those you know drug dealers down there in Colombia when they officially you know they own everything you could just take your money and stay silent or you can try to fight for your society knowing that you'll probably get murdered and this is the this is the same kind of that that level of heroism mm-hmm. um and it's also ah i just felt really bad because like the the target of this investigation is I, as true a blue a citizen as the East German government would ever have, yeah, uh, he's like they're in the O. He's 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 uh, artistic and he's handsome and he's respected outside by the like his writings are actually respected by the West and he's a staunch communist. And they turn this person slowly into the, like their worst enemy. Yeah, um. It's crazy because I that was the that was a plot of many a Tom Clancy books like these like the great you know like um, uh, in Hunt for Red October uh, Sean Connery's character you know he was a, a true blue communist until his wife was killed by an incompetent Soviet doctor <laughs> you know uh-huh. and there's like a, a lot lots of there there's lots of that like you know this guy's staunch communist fought the Germans in tanks when he was on fire and yet. He sees the corruption inherent in the system and, you know, logically turns against it as a patriot would. It's it tells both sides of that story just incredibly well. Yeah, incredibly well. Uh, I don't know how much else I want to talk. Uh, like, I feel like at this point, if you don't want to hear spoilers, uh, you got to get out of here. Uh, I, I mean, if, if you can put up a, a German subtitled movie, then you should see this movie because it's fantastic. Yeah, I think I think the opening scene of this movie had to be it had to be the direct inspiration for what is it the opening of season three of Fargo? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Because the angles of everything, the the tone of it, everything is identical. I think that I remember in season three people saying that this movie was a big was a big influence. Um, okay, and also in my research on this movie. Uh, I guess this stunned a lot of East Germans when it came out because, like, it just nailed the aesthetic 100%. Hmm. Um, and, like, like uh, nailed the kind of paranoia and the way people treated each other. And what was kind of remarkable, because this guy that directed this film, uh, he was only, like, 15 at the time of the fall of the, the Berlin Wall and had never been to East Germany. So people were like really kind of amazed that he was able to 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 nail that feel. So I guess to the extent that this is accurately depicting the Stasi culture, then uh, Fargo was directly inspired by that. But yeah, uh, <laughs> it does it does feel like um, it was almost a shop for shot remake. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what what do you want to talk about when it comes to to this this film? Uh, I. Man, it's tough because I have so much like meta stuff that I want to talk about, but also uh-huh. I, I feel like I have more meta to talk about than I do actual movie. Yeah, me too. But I forget that a lot. A lot of times we forget to actually talk about the film. Yeah. So okay, let me let me start. Let me start. Uh-huh. I actually 
this movie is so subtly done that I was actually surprised when the guy kind of like his first direct act of uh, disobedience, the the uh, the listener, mm-hmm. uh, I think is GSW, whatever. Um, that actually took me by surprise. And then when it happened that first time, um, I thought, oh, well, what's going to happen is he's meant to spare this guy. And it's going to embolden him that he's not under surveillance, and it's going mm-hmm. to even—it's going to be this ironic that he. This is the thing that makes his case, and it's the one thing he didn't want to happen. Yeah. Um. And I like, like I said, I it. There's so much tension just like watching him, listening to this thing, and forming the opinions, and you know, this guy who just lives this gray drab existence where no one loves him. Uh, he he has to rent passion and he has no hobbies and it's it's just everything in service to the state and him slowly realizing that this other guy you know has got it made he's got people that that love him and when his friend dies largely as a doing of my department he like plays beautiful music to commemorate it. and is anyone ever going to do that to me like you yeah. can see all those things passing on his face like what a half life that he's living. Um, and I just really enjoyed that particular arc. Yeah. I think they, they were so economical with those scenes too. Like it only took for me to completely understand that guy. It only took a scene, like you said, the piano music, it took one meeting with the actress and it took, uh, uh, what, what is the other scene that he's got where, Oh, oh, the scene with the prostitute. Like I, yeah, I get everything I need to know about this guy from those, three what two minute scenes if that yeah yeah and then they're beautiful yeah and just the like there's the contrast where he first you know there's this this beautiful scene where um the 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 playwright unwraps a gift from his friend that's been blacklisted and it's a sonata to a good man Mm -hmm. and like it's this profoundly moving thing and you know then he passionately makes love to his girlfriend and this gets boiled down to report as they exchange presents and presumably have intercourse and i just uh-huh. started things like everything about this man's life that is not like like is let's say that he did take a couple shots of communism let's say that he expressed doubt at the tenets of communism once a week for uh-huh. f- six weeks okay those that, those parts of the report will be in like you know 72 pixel font in red letters and mm-hmm. everything else about his life will just be these like one or two sentences, all the meaning drained out of it. And it just like if there's a moral to this story, it's got to be no matter how you organize your politics, you can't let the joyless fucks run things. Yeah, you just can't. <laughs> you see a jo- you see a joyless fuck that like is uncomfortable with the concept of laughter or or unrestrained passion. You, you you can't you can't give put the, that hand on the lever of power. You just can't. No, and, and I think that's you know, kind of the realization this guy comes to by by sort of living vicariously through this writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he discovers, hey, there's this other side to living life that I'm essentially in this room trying to extinguish right now. Yeah, and how, how do I feel about that? And he's left with nothing but time and his own mind and this. This love story, which plays out almost like a play, like the playwright would have written, mm-hmm. uh, that totally changes his mind by the end. And it's I think it's really masterfully crafted, too. I thought that there was like this thing in this thing starts with a chilling depiction of a Stasi agent teaching like Stasi class 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's essentially a textbook example of how to get a false confession from somebody. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought that might be the most chilling thing that I would see in the film. But there's some point in the midpoint where this guy is starting to have his crisis of conscience, where he's talking with his immediate supervisor. And he's talking about this new report that came out on the five types of artists. Oh, and yeah. he's like, yeah, I was reading about the guy you're surveilling. He's a classic type four because he needs people. And the way you deal with them is you put them in the hole for 10 months and you don't give them any contact with anybody, not even guards. Mm-hmm. And you don't you treat them well. You give them plenty of food. They have nothing to write about when once they get out. And, you know, they, he goes and they these thing these guys never give you any trouble ever again. He goes and what's even great, better. They stop making their subversive art like yeah. You don't even have to suppress it. They just stop making art after this experience. <laughs> and the guy is like, you, you see the look on the guy's face. It's like, it's because you're destroying what's making them human. Yeah. And this guy's like, well, that's that's a feature, not a bug. It's. And, ah. and I, I thought that they were actually going to run with that concept all the way to the end of the movie, because after the whole thing goes down um, where his girlfriend dies uh, or kills herself, I think, um, yeah. just by walking into the street. Yeah. Uh, they make it a point to say that he hasn't written anything. And right. I'm like, oh, well, fuck, he was type four. They yeah. they haven't really used force on him, right? They, But, I mean, they, his, they, th- that's a lot of force, having your girlfriend turn against you and then murder herself in front of your eyes. That's a lot of violence. Yeah, but, I mean, so is imprisoning somebody for 10 months in a hole, right? right? Like, right. Th- they they don't see that as force. By their label of force, they haven't used any on him. No, that's and what so, they said. Without any violence at all, they you, we, exactly. we just completely turned them into model citizens. Yeah, And I thought that's where they were going with it, and I'm so happy that it has this, this denouement at the end where it's essentially this guy goes and, and finds oh, there was a guardian angel over my shoulder the whole time, and I'm now going to honor him by writing this book. It it, it felt really good to have that, that finality of him writing something in the face of, of that. Do they call it socialism? or I think they call it socialism. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. yeah. Um, the way I understand it, communism is like a waypoint on the way to socialism. Yeah. Like that's what you're constantly trying to struggle for. Um, I think that... Um, yeah, I, I just, there's just so many, ah, man, um, there's just so many interesting things about it because like, it's like, yeah, this discovering, because I guess that's a thing that happened in East, East uh, Germany is that they established this office where citizens could come in and look at their record. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, a transparency and a reconciliation type of effort. So they show this man and he he I think he did. He had the thing that was the, the artist part of him was kind of destroyed by the experience. Yeah. And by discovering the Stasi agent's humanity um, and and sacrifice, it somehow moved him. Because I, I thought that was also really powerful. They could have ended it when he looked him up and he just kind of drives by in a taxi and mm-hmm. he kind of wants to stop and say something, but like, what the hell would you even say? <laughs> right. And I thought when it faded to black, I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of an interesting place to put uh, put it. And then like two years later, and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the fact that the guy took um and wrote a book and I, it was a really genuine moment when that guy was checking out and he's like, do you want this gift wrapped? And he goes, you know, nine X for me or yeah, whatever. I was like, wow, what a 
I, I was worried they're going to fuck up the end of the movie because I'm like, wait a second. There's only so many fades to black and, you know, <laughs> time jumps four and, years, the, uh, the three years later, two years after that steamed envelopes. Like there's only so many times you can do this before. I'm like, oh, OK, what the fuck? Did, did uh, you see in the steamed envelope room that yes. th- there was the guy who made the joke about his superior? Yeah, I, I guess about the like the fucking head chairman or whatever. Yeah, and, and yeah. That's, so I I assume that he was busted down to envelope duty. He was, and it's like the thing is, is like I I was watching that scene. I'm like, oh, this is like Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. Um, you know, where it's like, am I am I a clown to you? Do I amuse you? Do I make any? It's like everything's like really dangerous, and you realize he's just he's just using the fact that he's a scary, terrifying killer. To, to make a yeah. joke, right? Uh-huh. And they do that, but this, like, they can't even make that joke. Like, it's going to, it, yeah, like, the joke was like, oh, come on, it's not going to be, whatever, who cares? But then, like, yeah, you see him bust down to the envelope steamer. Uh-huh. So, and then, like, the one kid that, like, in the beginning is like, how can you interrogate someone for 48 hours without sleep? It's, that's inhuman. And before he answers, he makes, like, a little black mark in the guy's, like, attendance <laughs> right. thing. Like, Jesus Christ, the society's insane. Yeah. And it feels that part of it to me feels a little antiquated. Like, I know there are, you know, people who seek power over everything um, and are willing to use any means necessary to do it. But I feel like the means of control of populations are more subtle now. Um, yeah. They're they're honestly more nefarious um, in some ways because mm-hmm. you don't realize that it's even happening to you and therefore you can't fight back against it. Uh, this feels like, you know, of, of an era where the social media was not an influence where, you know, it it was much harder to kind of keep a population under control without them realizing it. Although I kind of like, as you say, with social media, it's almost like it's easier to keep a population under control without them realizing it, you know, that Um, is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought I took it the opposite. Um, I do wonder, though, because I, I've, I, I was naive, like, even 10 years ago, and I was thinking that, like, you know, we've permanently learned some lessons in history. Like, <laughs> we're never going to allow genocide to happen again. We're never going to allow, like, out-of-control nationalism to bring us to the brink of war. Like, those mm-hmm. are just, like, you know, like, World War One and Two are just exclamation points on all these uh, the lessons we've learned in history. And there might be other parts in the world that need to learn that lesson, but surely the West uh and i don't know like maybe now but i I feel like that this soft type of control that's currently being implemented um i I feel like the end goal is still this yeah and maybe they 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 couldn't do it now because this shit's in their living memory but what about 10 what about 15 what about 20 years what about you know like george george orwell um you know, he wrote 1984. It wasn't just about, you know, fascist he was afraid about. He's also afraid about what would happen to, like, some of these socialist revolutions if they adopted strongmen and got mm-hmm. paranoid and never could get away from that, like, revolutionary militant footing. And, you know, it's one of those things that, like, because I've been, you know, I think socialism is in the air nowadays. Uh, Democratic socialists are, are gaining power in, in Congress for the first time in, in my lifetime. And I think it's a fair question to ask, how do we keep shit like this from happening <laughs> to socialist progressive uh, movements? How yeah. how can we co- keep the, hey, comrade, how like we're in this together from, you know, papers, comrade. Well, how, how do we and I, I feel like that. I honestly in leftist discourse there's not nearly as much 
uh, concern that, that for that 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 I'd, that I'd like it to be. It's a lot of like excuses and um, you know trying to like brush away problems that uh, uh, socialist republics and communist revolutions have had. But a lot of like like okay, well, how do you make sure? Let's say that we institute socialism or some form of socialism by democracy instead of by violent revolution. How do you make sure that democracy continues to flourish, you know, mm-hmm. and personal freedom? I think that's actually a harder problem than people give it credit for. And I, I wish it was talked more about. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly not one that I have solutions to. And it, there, there's almost this inherent problem in like, I mean, extremes are always a problem in basically every area of life. Uh, right. And you the the extreme depicted in this movie is sort of uh one of extreme control over the thoughts and actions of its population and mm-hmm. the these these kind of coming together moments like the the eavesdropper is coming together with this artist to defeat the system this this unjust system that they're living in and you want that to happen but at the same time like what the the controlling class wants to happen is also that coming together of minds, except in the other direction. Right. Uh, and so there's almost this middle ground that you have to maintain between being so of one mind that you're allowed to be controlled in that way and mm-hmm. also of being so divided that you can easily be controlled, right? There's, right. Because that's what's happening today is we're being so divided yeah. uh, by all of the, you know, people who would be... Uh, essentially tyrants that we we don't have the ability to come together to stand up to that kind of thing but you can go too far the other way and i don't i don't know how to keep that sort of in the middle and a manageable level that's yeah because it's like it's get squeezed from both ends too because like i think that like if you want to if you want to keep an antidote for totalitarianism you've got to always treat like art and expression and journalism as like sacrosanct Mm-hmm. But like, for example, like free speech, right? Um, it's getting squeezed from both ends because on one end you got fucks saying that money is free, free speech. So if mm-hmm. you try if you try to control how much money someone spends to advocate <laughs> for position, then yeah. aren't you aren't you really uh, depriving a, 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 an individual of his free speech rights? And at the other end, you got Nazi fuckers saying like. Why can't I use this public uh, forum to advocate for a white ethno state? I mean, what could possibly go wrong with this line of a? And it's like, yeah. you know, what the hell? How do you? Where do you draw the line around? This is the bulwark we need for safe society, and all you bad actors need to get the fuck out. Um, those again, really hard problems that I don't have a solution to. I wish we'd. We, I wish we could spend more time talking about that because I. You know, a lot of um, a lot of people watch this movie and be like, well, that's why you can't have too much power in a centralized state. And I'm like, I think that in Western the Western world, we've gone past the point of no return. Like uh, we had the Snowden leak. We had the fact that the NSA is essentially eavesdrop. We're all under Stasi surveillance. It's just. Fortunately, they don't have enough Stasi agents to run around and <laughs> literally listen to everything. So they have to right. kind of run it through a filter and and catch the the, ter- the try to catch the terrorist shit and subversive shit, whatever they want to, what, whatever they want to, you know, bald move podcast, whatever they that they want to listen to. Um, like, I think the, the the topic needs to shift now is like, how do we control this? How do we maintain transparency? How do we do we watch the watchers? Because 
the the cat's out of the bag, and I don't think you're mm-hmm. ever going to get the kind of rights that we enjoyed before the digital age. It's going to change. It's going to change things just like the industrial age did to like labor. This is going to transform intellectual property and the inherent right to privacy and what that yeah. even fucking means. Um, and it's it's only a matter of time before they essentially create enough artificial agents to police everyone at all times. I mean, right? It's 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 quickly becoming a matter not a matter of having people who can do this, but having some kind of digital eye on everything um, and, and a smart enough digital eye to say these people are the problem. Yeah. And it's like, I was also thinking at the beginning scene where the guy's explaining that like, you know, after 48 hours interrogation, uh, an innocent person will rant and rage at the injustice of the way they're treated. But, a guilty person will cry and weep because they know they're guilty. I'm like, mm-hmm. motherfucker, if we were listening to a tape of someone screaming and raging, you'd be like, Oh, you're, you're you're not supporting the the party comrade and you're not doing this and you're you're being arrogant and rebellious and it's like ah uh, I, I guess that's the <laughs> thing is uh you just need transparency in and and what the government's doing let's always turns out to be that because like i thought it was telling that the the central the central core of this story is um in the late 70s the east german government stopped recording suicides mm-hmm. they recorded in their statistical offices they because re- everything's centrally planned all their economy they know how many shoes you go through they know how many gallons of gasoline you drink they know how much coffee they know like all these things about you but they don't they can't tell you how many commit suicide because it was such a depressing statistic like it's like all of the e- all of the eastern Bloc countries are at the bottom of the list and east germany is like second from the bottom so i know let's just stop Let's just stop collecting that. That's like you yeah. can't let the government ever get away with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, any, when they start canceling studies about gun violence, when they start defunding climate research, when they start uh, like like when someone says, wait, seriously, we don't collect information about police shootings. And then five years later, we still don't collect information on police shootings. <laughs> like that's the kind of shit that like. I guess that seems like threads we should pull on because that's where yeah. the joyless fuckers hide. And we, we I think we agree that we can't give them control. So, <laughs> you know, we need to shine. We need to shine lights on there. There's some there's some definite places I think are like blinking, blinking lights, uh, like sh- sh- shine lights on that. But yeah. And most of my my feelings coming away from this movie are just big questions that I don't have answers to. Like I, I couldn't help but ask the question you know seeing this movie in light of our current political situation how do you radicalize against ideas like this without also polarizing the communities that you rely on to come together to oppose these ideals like there there's there seems like there's something inherent in radicalization that also pushes people away from each other yeah but but you need to be radicalized against ideas like this right against these means of control against the that type of society yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a is a weird equilibrium in our society right now where um it seems like the battle lines are kind of evenly drawn mm-hmm. even though like if you you know, if, if you ignore like if you just order if you if you just like ignore like l- racial and and gender issues uh and you just concentrate on like uh social economic class like it's a really lopsided. Like there's way more of people getting shit on than ones that are like free of shit. 
Yeah. But they use all the other issues to like wedge people apart. Like, you know, poor it's not a poor Americans, it's gotta be poor Latino Americans and poor black Americans and poor white Americans, and they all think that they're stealing from each other's pie. Um But yeah, you're right. So like if if you and that's the thing I guess that's really scary is if you ever brought like if, if something cataclysmic enough ever brought those classes together and like the genuine anger that would be manifest um and, and the and the amount of organization they'd do if they would unite, it could go to scary places. I mean, that's how you get like the French Revolution. That's how, you mm-hmm. know, people like I'm very uncomfortable in leftist spaces when they start making jokes about uh, people getting bullets and guillotines and things because yeah. that shit happens. And there are people that are cheering for it. And uh-huh. what I want is like a nice, slow descent into a new type of political economic reality, not a violent uh you know militarized upheaval that just yeah. becomes you know fucking state parades and and uh journal and journalism and that that stuff is terrifying <laughs> but yeah i just i want compassion to prevail and that's kind of what this movie is about yeah uh joy and compassion yeah and not you know be, being able to hold on i mean being inherently suspicious of anything that says you have to give up humanity yeah to to gain some other thing some other form of progress you have to deny your humanity and it's also dangerous to like you know, I, I guess the other direct the other caveat to that is like it's way too easy to define like <laughs> l- luxury and you know uh bullshit like that as like humanity right you know, it's like, oh, if I have to give up uh, this standard of living, then is that even human? No, I mean, I guess that's where the debate is to be had, huh? Mm-hmm. Um. So I, yeah, I like this. <laughs> I like this movie. <laughs> I do. I, do too. I, gotta, can, can I, I wanna, bring it back to a specific shot that I really love. Okay, because there's one question I've got. I've been beg- I've been. I had in my notes that like. Um, I'm very interested to see if Jim is like ranting and raving during this scene because it seems like it's the 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 thing that you hate the most. But what was your topic? Huh, okay, um, I'll say it. It didn't really stand out to me if there was one. So okay, All maybe right. maybe not. Uh, so I really love. There's a shot early on where the eavesdropper is looking at kind of the the needles on his sound meter. Um, kind of telling where people are you know and and it's it's in the bedroom and there's noise being made in there while they're talking and stuff Mm -hmm. and you can just see this one needle moving and then when the stasi bust into his house and start searching they do that same shot except all of the needles are going crazy right and i felt like this was almost reflective of what's going on in the head of this character at the moment like yeah he's he's having some sort of awakening from all this activity and i I just I wish they would have lingered on it like half a second longer because it's maybe it's only like a half second shot. But I really love that visual. You're right. Like I kept on getting the idea that this guy is like almost engaged in submarine combat, you know, (laughs) where like you don't lay eyes on an enemy, just deduce from things that you hear their position Mm. and things that they're the noise that they're making and things reflecting off of them. Like he's able to like reconstruct their apartment. Right. Uh-huh. I think he's got this chalk outline, so he's like trying to build an internal map of this place. And I, I thought that was a really kind of cool effect. It's almost um, a psychological DOS boot. All right, this the scene that I want to ask you about mm-hmm. is 
I thought it would be uniquely painful to you because like one of the things I, I think that drives you crazy is when you figured something out and you think the average audience member would figure something out and you're laboriously watching someone come to a conclusion. Sure. How does this how did this guy's visit to the archives? Like it's like 10 minutes of him slowly realizing <laughs> through reading these reports the things that we've known the entire movie. Uh did that that didn't that didn't trigger any any uh any no, itchy skin I, for you? It didn't and I I guess I don't really know why other than maybe I was in it with this character and I you was were invested. Just, yeah, I was following his path of discovery here because of course we knew who helped him. Uh but I thought it was great to see the red ink on the page and that kind of, you know, setting off the light bulb moment. Yeah, uh, I thought that, that red thumbprint stuff. was fucking awesome. And uh-huh. I I thought the reason it worked for me is because you were watching this guy figure it out, right? right. And I was trying to think of like because I thought one of the things that he could very easily come to the conclusion is, well, I guess somehow she just got the typewriter out. Yeah. You know, and, like maybe and that's certainly what he was thinking at the beginning of that scene. Yeah. Like maybe she had like a minute, you know, to the and maybe like I took my eyes off of her or whatever. And, and that's all it took. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that he sees that red thumbprint and it all comes together. Uh, I thought that was I thought that was uh, a pr- pretty genius. Yeah. I thought there were some moments that maybe didn't play quite as well. I would say the thing that maybe annoyed is probably a too strong a word, but the the thing that made me go, hmm, the most was the interrogation scene where they bring the actress in uh, mm-hmm. that final time when she's supposed to reveal the location of the typewriter. Mm-hmm. And, and the eavesdropper is kind of sitting there with his back turned, and then he turns around, and there's this moment of recognition that this is a... Real, this is almost an impossible thing to portray without giving away too much because yeah. you want the audience to know that they recognize each other, but you don't want to believe that the interrogators would realize they recognize each other. So yeah. there is this ultra fine line that you have to walk, and I don't feel like they quite walked it. Actually, I'll say that I think that she didn't recognize him. Really? Yeah, from her perspective, hadn't she been drinking that night? And he was like, in uh-huh. he was just a fan, like a fan interaction. Like if you're a fa- if you're a famous actor or actress, and someone four or five weeks ago came up to you and said this thing, you know, and then yeah. you you met them in a completely different, you know, and they're now wearing a, a uniform and they're in a bright light, and you're being interrogated by them. Like I don't know that she did recognize. I thought he was actually trying to get her to recognize him to give her some strength because he was using the same things hmm. like consider your audience who are you really yeah, like, yeah, yeah it seemed like and then when they showed his pig of a boss like oh look at him really putting the screws to her and i'm like no he's actually <laughs> trying to build her up i was a little confused about where that was going and and what that was supposed to intend i don't like okay because then huh. she ends up killing herself um, yeah. And ends, ends up giving, I, I think, though, I don't, because I, so then I thought, okay, maybe he did, she did recognize him, and he's essentially said, everything's cool, you can give this up to me, and he did, and, but then when they were, and, but they were going for the spot that, why would she kill herself? Because I thought that the, he had successfully communicated the idea that I've got this? I don't know. Yeah, and I she don't just know. didn't, didn't pick up on it? Right. But it's like I if if you just go with the idea that he she didn't recognize him yeah. and she wasn't picking up he she was trying to like threaten her in a way that would 
encourage her but not compromise the position he was in and it backfired and ended up just she's unironically turning into a, a collaborator because i mean that's the thing that kills mm-hmm. you it's like look you need to you know, look if, if you you are going to live a hellish life or you can give us these names of people do you and i both know are guilty of the things we're accusing them of now you might not consider it wrong but they're guilty also this guy's going to jail anyway Right. Because we've got your statement and we've got all the surveillance and like we've we've got enough that we can put him away. So like, what are you even doing? And that's mm-hmm. like that's a hard the like you can take not you, you can take a heroic stand, but it's not going to mean anything. It's just going to mean there's one more person in, uh, in prison than there's not. And yeah. like you said in the beginning of the film, it requires thousands and thousands of people to spit in that person's face and say, fuck you mm-hmm. before it even starts to make a dent. Because every person up until the one where it starts to make a dent is a martyr. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then they they are masters of the carrot and stick, you know? I mean, he says, hey, you got, now that you're an informant, you got some responsibilities you have to uphold. But you also get these rewards and tucks something into her pocket, cigarettes maybe, I don't know. Oh, and the whole, um, you are going to, like the the guy in the beginning is like, look, if you don't cooperate, we're going to bring your wife in here. Mm-hmm. And then guess what? Your kids are going to be put into state a state agency. It's like Jesus Christ, who yeah. is that strong? Right. Uh who who's that strong? Um So, I don't know. And then I think of like because I I also sometimes think that in the West we see these movies and we get on our high horse a bit and we don't mm-hmm. um maybe think about the times that we've been Gestapo. Like the things that we do with extraordinary rendition and things that we do in Guantanamo Bay um, and the way we've treated like socialists and communists uh, who should enjoy theoretically um, the rights to free speech in this country. Uh, you know, the, we we did our own blacklisting of blackballing of, mm-hmm. of artists and put them through the ringer. It's uh, it's all pretty gross. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, you know, it's all in a different name, but it's all the yeah. same type of thing. It's still it's like totalitarianism can come in a lot of different masks and guises. And it's just, again, you know, we had our joyless fuckers and we <laughs> we've, we we gave them controls of the country and, and let them let them do that. And, you know, I think we've got some pretty joyless fucks in charge right now. Yeah. Um, can, can there be a can there be a, a qualification of joy? For like yeah, like I, I do feel office. like you like you got to submit your tax returns and you got to submit a picture of you uh, un unforced laughing. I have to see. <laughs> right. I, 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 you have to submit at least thirty seconds of genuine unforced, uncontrollable mirth, <laughs> or you cannot be a senator, congressperson, Supreme Court justice, or president. Oof. Like that's that is that's that that's a that's that's new law. It's pro- probably a pretty high bar. I don't know. Like, I, I think it's. I think it should be pretty easy to come up with. Uh, you know, like, like not they can, for the people we got currently. No yeah, way. Maybe, maybe you almost have to need like one of those fucking uh, Android tests from Blade Runner. Like, they can't. Like, right. these, you got to hook them up the machines and make sure they're not faking it. <laughs> you need a mind comp test. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's essentially you have to watch like uh, you have to watch one funny movie from every decade, and <laughs> one of them's got to make you laugh. You know. Yeah. You can't, you know, it's like maybe, maybe uh, uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective doesn't do it. Maybe it's Blazing Saddles. Maybe that doesn't do it. Maybe it's, what you know, it, but you got to find something funny. 
you got to find something funny or, or you, you can't you can't hold the highest offices in the land i like it uh anything else you want to talk about i don't think so uh i i do think this is an exceptional movie if you haven't seen it even with all the spoilers we gave you you should watch it yeah uh, i mean the performances are like uh just completely natural and restrained and the this, this stuff i i looked into the guy who played the stasi officer uh who we've been calling the eavesdropper the whole time he died of stomach cancer like less than a year after this this is essentially his oh. last uh, substantial role Damn. um but the work that he did um man it's just it's just amazing in fact the 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 I only saw two negative reviews of this movie, and they were both from people who thought that they they didn't like his role because it it humanized the Stasi. And I'm like, I, you don't think there are elements within that? Yeah, it would didn't, have some humanity. It did not humanize the Stasi. It humanized no. one Stasi officer, yes. and by contrast, dehumanized the others. Like that's such a tone deaf bullshit point of way to to walk away from this movie is like oh it makes the stasi look like they're heroes no man no that reform did not come from within the stasi that came from external forces right right that wall did not come down because this one agent uh preserved the freedom of a writer right and i also think that we ought to stop walking around acting like 75 percent of us wouldn't do exactly the same thing if we were on either side of this desk yeah, like probably higher. It's probably like the, the 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 people that have the exceptional moral fiber to be like, no, fuck this, it's wrong. Especially when it never comes in like, you know, it's never like the temperature changes two hundred degrees from one day to the next. It's like, right. oh, it's a one degree warmer. It's one degree warmer. It's one degree warmer. Like like we got to stop acting like that. The average person would fling themselves into the way of this state. It's mm-hmm. it's really not that way at all. It's it's the exceptionally. Uh, people with stiff stiff backbones and a, a exceptional moral fiber and it's something we have to really be on guard against because once the system gets set up it self perpetuates and yeah. it's a lot harder to find the people to get in front of that uh, when they're actively being suppressed and yeah like that's like my thing is like watch this movie try to learn from it and don't get too smug about it because huh. that's how you let the joyless fucks put their hands on the levers yep uh, thanks, Doctor Nick, for having us see this movie. I would have never seen this movie had you not pointed out to 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 me. Uh, so that 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 is awesome. Congratulations on winning the fantasy uh, football league and for making us watch such a cool movie. Uh, we are not taking new commission podcasts, as I mentioned in the last commission podcast. We're still planning on how to deal with the outstanding community commissions. Uh, more news on that soon. But as much as it's been fun, we have no plans on bringing the commissions back anytime soon. So I know a lot of people. Uh, I just I think they just saw new stuff in their commission feed and assumed that we had <laughs> opened it back up. That is not true. It is it's still closed. We're move, moving on to uh, to to different different ways to engage with people. Um, but thanks again, Dr. Nick, and uh, we will see you on the next Bald Movie Review. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.